0: Welcome to the Circle of Birth podcast. I'm your host and advocate, Ali Kranz. These podcasts are here to gather stories, people and information to better our understanding of the wisdom of birth and how we can reclaim our connections to birth from conception and beyond. You will hear stories not only from Australia but from all over the world bringing together women, partners, midwives, doulas and all the people that have a birth story to share. So jump right in for this next Circle of Birth story. So, I thought it was about time that I shared with all of you the story of Mally's birth. Now, Mally is my first son and he is six years old now. So, with that, I just want to emphasize on experience and coming from the lessons that I've learned and what I'm doing now and the stories that I'm listening to, I believe that we all have a journey and I needed to find acknowledgement with this birth and it took a long time, Uh, a long time of confusion and feelings and not knowing really what happened Um, and it empowered me into the beautiful experience that I had with Julie that this story will be told as an experience and I will try to explain the things that I did learn from this and from this birth experience and how it shaped me into my thoughts now and how how I become, I guess, to have the beautiful birth that I did with Julia. And during this story there are just so many beautiful elements to it as well and what was lacking was the support again and this is just exactly why I'm here doing what I'm doing and collating all these stories because support is so, so important. So with that uh, I'll start off with the pregnancy of Mally. So, I was 27 years old, I was living in Melbourne and I was having a lot of fun in life and uh, just going solo and not interested in much, I guess, in a sense, in relationships or even having babies. Um, it was just not even crossed my radar. Uh, but however, the fertility gods um, must have been in my favour and planned this for me because I became pregnant with Mally and. Uh going into this pregnancy and finding out I was pregnant, I was about eight weeks. It was a big shock. Um, I mean, a huge shock because what was happening in my life at the time, uh, you know, it was not even perceived or thought about. So, and there it was. Having said that, when I did find out, I was <laughs> sitting on the toilet with the pregnancy test. And I remember looking up into the ceiling and just going wow. And I felt so, I can't even describe the feeling. It just felt right. And I felt this is it. Like I just felt like this was all masterminded for me. And this was the path I chose. And I felt really happy about it. Um, And then after that, the the logistical shock (laughs) set in. And so I had to sort of think about what what's what with this, this pregnancy and, um, all the things that came with that. So, um, yeah. So anyway, I was set myself up, um, after all the shock and sorting everything out and it was very, uh, sort of a good experience i suppose because i drew a lot of strength um knowing that i was facing it alone so alone in the sense i guess being not in your traditional relationship with a partner and uh i guess drawing on the support around me for that the wor- <laughs> the worst part was the phone call to my mother who over the years, my my dear mother's had a lot of interesting phone calls from overseas, from all the places that I've lived in Australia, starting off with, Mum, <laughs> I need to tell you something. And this was one of them again. And she just knew straight away. She knew what was up and... She was in shock too and we all got through that together and from that became the excitement and the complete understanding of the biological processes of what was happening in my body and I just embraced it from then on in. So I had the absolute best pregnancy, just amazing. I, the Even no nausea, um, just a b- bit tired at the start but that was it. I just bounced into it and I felt good and um, my body started to look really good and um, yeah, I was just embraced healthy diet and healthy headspace and healthy people surrounding me and I just went for it and possibly the fact of being a single mother might have made me a bit more determined to, I think, to make sure that I was doing the best I could for myself and this little creature that ...was growing happily inside of me. Um, I decided to keep finishing my studies... ...and that was really great and I hadn't told anyone yet. And I remember that I was uh, there at uh, uni... ...and I was walking down the path. And this was I think it was during like lunchtime or whatever. And I was—I used to drink a lot of rosehip tea. Um, and I remember this lady was walking with me and... I was drinking the tea and I hadn't told anyone yet. This was only still early days and she's like, you know, like rosehip tea is used to, you know, have an abortion and it can create miscarriages and um, and she just said this out of the blue and I just threw the cup of water, the tea into the bushes and I went, oh, well, there goes that then and, and then I proceeded to tell her and she said, wow, I had no idea. Like I normally wouldn't have said anything and... That ended my rose hip tea drinking. <laughs> so there again goes the connection of us mamas because she was such a beautiful mummer. And when I told her, she was so happy and um, I drew upon her networking and skills too, I suppose, which was great. Um, so yeah, studies and then I planned the hospital birth, um, which was at one of the major hospitals in Melbourne, quite renowned for... Um, ...women and birthing. So I thought that's pretty cool, I'll be fine. Um, I thought that I was a very educated person... ...and I was quite apt with life and a lot of decision making... ...that this would be fine... ...that no one was really going to burst my bubble. So I didn't do anything in terms of research. I went to the appointments, I diligently stuck my arm out... ...poked my belly out, spread my legs... Um, answered the questions, tick the boxes, signed my name at the dotted line and that's what I did. <laughs> um, it wasn't until about probably halfway through the pregnancy when it was time to have the gestational diabetes test was when it really started hitting me about how I felt and how my vulnerabilities started to feel a bit violated by this support network that I was actually going to birth into. Um, you know, in a sense, I was really looking forward to going to the hospital and being looked after by these people. And I thought that it would be a good experience. I had had no experience of birth. Um, from what my mum told me, she had some very difficult births with my brothers, and I was born seven years later, um, as an unplanned. ...lovely daughter that she always wanted... ...that uh, unfortunately as a teenager I always used that against her. And so I guess my birth with my mum might have been difficult for her too. Um, She probably had a lot of fear over her last experience... ...and that might have carried over to me and we never spoke of it. Um, We never spoke much about birth or uh, what it means and... So that was it and apart from that, whatever's been portrayed on the media and that's all I saw and I, it, it didn't affect me as such. I was s- surrounded by some really cool, inspiring women in my life and, um, you know, they were women that were doing quite radical things in terms of Their lives and um, their work and their art and their creativity. So there was never really any doubt that there was going to be anything like the dramatic things that you see, I guess, in the media. Um, So there, I I guess I had this kind of bubble that I put around me, and maybe I was a bit too naive though, and I think that that's what happened. I took this gestational diabetes test and the one thing that the lady said to me is, you know, you can't vomit. Um, otherwise you'll have to retake the test. And I just remembered drinking this syrup and just going, wow, like there wouldn't even be that much sugar compounded into my body um, at any normal stage. This just seemed so insane to me and I never questioned I just did it and I felt sick straight away and I had to sit there and wait for two hours. And during that time I kind of... ...curled up, sweating over the chair and off I went to the toilet. And I knew it was coming and I started to feel sick... ...and I was like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Wheeling myself out of it, splashing water on my face... ...and I thought, right, I'll get out of this toilet. And out I went and I just felt so faint and so dizzy... ...and just such a ridiculous high of um, sugar that my body wasn't coping and I just like rolled myself onto the ground <laughs> in this ball and lay there. And it just so happened to be in front of these reception desk and it was bizarre. I just remember like this person just walked straight past me and didn't even look at me and this lady popped her head over the desk and said, what are you doing laying on the floor like that? And I just felt so, oh my goodness, it was not a nice feeling and I really, uh, it it just, that was it for me and that's when I started questioning what am I doing? Like, you know, how am I handing myself over in my body to these series of tests and series of people that had such scorn for me and a really lack of care, I suppose. And I picked myself up and I left and... I went home and I hung around my beautiful friends and regained my sense of self-worth and power and what that means to be a woman. Thank goodness for them because, you know, um, that was it for me and it didn't really hassle me too much. And so it was that... ...part of the pregnancy then I, you know, started to question things. However, I still thought, no, this will be fine. I'll, you know, I'll have a really strong friend with me... ...that is an amazing, beautiful person that's experienced birth... ...and she was my go-to. And she knew me so well and I just thought, she's there. She'll vouch for me and I've got this. I'll be fine. Um... So, yeah, not much planning on the birth. No informing myself. Um, And I probably was naive and I handed myself over. So, big lessons there again. Um, Make sure your support network um, is on tap, is great. And make sure that you own your body and your responsibility for your body too. Um, Had I known everything again... ...in hindsight and it's what a lot of us say... ...had I known all this stuff back then that I know now... ...my goodness, it would have been different. Um, however, this is a journey and life is a journey... ...and we we are products of our experiences... ...and it's um, not what happened to us. It's how we um, come out of it after and heal and learn and again... ...this is why I'm sitting here doing this... ...because I want others and especially those first-time mummers... ...to um, not look at these things with a fear... With, ...just with a learning and um, an understanding. Um, and again, regaining that responsibility. It's like take control of your body and your health... ...and what's happening in your pregnancy because... ...at the end of all of this, no one has as much stake in it as yourself. And that's what I've learned now from this. So from that little naive girl with the little bubble... ...that was probably a bit silly, but that's okay. I had a, quite an optimistic outlook on it. Um, and I just... ...always envisioned that I wouldn't be in the city for long. I couldn't stand it. The fumes, the cars, the everything was affecting me. And growing up on a farm and being a bit of a country girl... ...that's what I wanted to go back to with my son. And I did find out the sex and um, I found out at the 20-week scan... ...and I remember looking at the lady because she asked me if I wanted to know... ...and I didn't really think about it. And I just thought, she knows... I need to know. So um, she told me and I just giggled a bit. So birthing time. Uh, now after Julia's birth, my recent daughter, I realised that I possibly am a bit of a candidate for pro labour and this is exactly what happened with Mally's birth. So luckily... ...or whatever innately told me to do it, I got my due dates changed. So I was due two weeks before my actual due date. And I got that changed pretty early on in the piece... ...because I thought that my cycles were pretty all over the place. They were either 28 days or two weeks from that. I think 35 days, <laughs> if that's right. So I just went with that and I felt so strongly about getting that changed and she didn't really question it, which was great. She said, okay, we'll do that. Um, And so I got that done and I went into labour four days over my new due date. So imagine if I never got them changed. (laughs) So (laughs) what would have happened then? So three days of these interesting little surges of up and down and going around and excitement and sitting on trampolines with a bunch of kids and feeling like this is it and preparing myself and uh, going to bed and then nothing and then the same all over again. So uh, I did learn with Julia's birth to rest. No matter what, I just rested. And with this birth, I was so excited that I thought I would just, ...have the baby and that'll be all cool. Um, But no, three days on. And it wasn't to that evening. I um, was at home and my housemates were my beautiful friends from Scotland... uh, ...Patrice and Adrian that I loved dearly and I miss them a lot. But I was glad that they were there and we were all sitting there and I... Um, made Adrian get me a chilli sandwich. So jalapenos was my thing and it was such a big thing for me that I could eat probably a jar of them um, a day <laughs> but I didn't. So the sandwich was ridiculously filled with jalapenos, so much so that um, I really don't know why I wanted to do that but I did and I think it was possibly more of like, okay... Th- I've heard that chilies can get babies out. Let's go for it. Had that at seven o'clock and said, I'm off to bed now. Good night. And um, went off to bed. Two hours later, woke up and my goodness, I'll never forget this feeling. And I know we never forget our birth experiences. But I just had this such a interesting pain. Like I woke up and I had a split second of just like, oh, and then next minute, bam, this like feeling that I really can't describe down underneath. But it's like someone had a fist on the inside pushing out of my vagina. And then that was it. That was my waters breaking in the bed. And I (laughs) jumped up so quick, which is very uh, unusual because when I was pregnant, it took me like ages to like roly-poly out of bed, but I was out of there. And I was standing there and I just... Went off to the toilet and going to the toilet was past the lounge room and my friend Patrice was sitting there on the lounge room and I walked straight past her and her eyes just lit up like saucers. She must have known. And I went and sat in the toilet and I was like, okay, right, What, what just happened? And I looked in my undies and there it was, the mucus plug was there and I knew that was something, that was a sign and I don't remember reading too much about it but I knew that meant that, you know, stuff was happening and um, so I changed the pads and got back out there and I said, Patrice, like, that's it, this is it, I think something's happening and she said, like, she went, Ali, what do I do? Like, I don't know and <laughs> um, she obviously doesn't have that voice. I just had that really stupid inter. Personation of a Scottish voice then. And so I went into my room and I went to get the phone to ring the hospital. And during that time, my waters it, just started gushing out, um, like dribbling. And I had a Nighty thing on, and um, Adrienne came rushing in. She's like, Ali, Ali, what do I do? What do I do? And I said, It's okay. So okay. yeah, I'm ringing the hospital. And then she ran out the room and then she came back in with two big saucepans and she put them under me while I was standing there and I said, what are you doing? And she said, I don't know, what do I do? And so I was standing there on the phone to the hospital with two saucepans under me, um, like a leaking roof, gushing water into these saucepans. (laughs) So I rang the hospital and she said, look, why don't you just come in? Um, So I did. So I rang a taxi um, we were in Melbourne at the time and we were probably about mm, 15, 20 minute drive to the hospital, not too far. And my birth support partner was luckily again, right next door. So I, uh, got someone to go and get her and she was just about to go to bed and she was a bit sleepy and she threw on some stuff and, um, up she rocked and there she was, um, looking as fabulous as she is and. Um we the taxi rocked up and in we got and we drove off and I probably had about three contractions during that point. Um so it was really interesting watching in the revision mirror <laughs> for the taxi driver. Um his face every time I started contracting. Um I could just like seem to like focus my eyes on the revision mirror and there his face was and it was just terrified. And I kept looking at my friend Rachel and we just both went, "Uh had a little giggle together and we thought that was pretty funny. Um, so the taxi ride was fine, it was good and I'm glad we did it that way because, um, you know, we we were very much bike people and we didn't have cars and, you know, all that type of stuff we were into living in Melbourne and um, I thought that was the best way and it was and it was fine and we got to the hospital and walked in and I had a contraction waiting to see someone and... Then I got put into a triage and that's where it went downhill. <laughs> In a sense. I mean there was there was moments and there was like like I said, um yeah, get a doula <laughs> if you can. If you can get a doula and you can find one and you can, you know, afford to have that too, it's possibly a great resource to have, or if you have a friend or a birth partner that is completely informed on the system and birth, um, use them. So getting into triage was when I found out how I, the care system that I chose was called team midwifery. So I would see a group of eight midwives and hopefully I would be able to have one of them in the birth, um, but that didn't work out and I saw different people each time and I still didn't get the same person in the berth. So in the triage I had some pretty robust and grumpy people in there that weren't too um, nice or kind or sportive. that I felt. They wanted me up on the bed and I didn't want to get up on the bed and they said, you get up in the bed, we need to monitor you. And I said I didn't want to and my friend had to sort of plug away and... Try and support that, but um, in the end, I got up on the bed and strapped in, and I don't know what happened, but that's when the pain went from manageable to um, really out of control. And uh, not even the pain—so it wasn't even noted. It's sorry, I shouldn't even say that word. It's not even noted as pain during that point, but it went to pain, and I felt pain. Um, I went from that feeling like I was in a process and something was happening to a feeling like, I'm in pain, I need to fix this, something's wrong, something's wrong, alarm bells, alarm bells. So hence fight and flight probably kicked in. And I believe that's probably when he went posterior because that's what I had. It went straight into my back. And um, if I was in a state that I informed myself again and I was aware of what ...that could have been and what that meant... ...I would have handled it so much better. I know that. And I would have known how to sit and move... ...because I would have known that I was allowed to do those things. But I didn't. I was just thought I had to sit on the bed with this strap on... ...because I was told what to do. And being that girl that grew up... ...that was always good at being told what to do... ...I was just doing what I was doing... ...being told what to do. And so... um I wasn't allowed to move and I wanted to and I was just started, you know, screaming. And it was really loud and um, obviously it made them more grumpy and it made my friend concerned and she was just so supportive and she uh, put her hand on my back and, um, you know, she was there and I remember whispering to me and, oh, my goodness, thank goodness for her. That's all I have to say because these people there, they were not nice. They were mean and nasty and... Um, I've just I'll never forget that experience from them. So lesson here again: um, inform yourself uh, if you can find a doula, that advocate for you that says, "Come on, mama, you can do this," and keep supporting you no matter what. Um, yeah, again, a great p- birth partner or doula is just important. Um, and so yeah, so. Uh, during that time in triage, I went to the toilet um, and probably that was my excuse for wanting to get up and I went and sat in the toilet and I just found this sense of peace and I got myself back together and um, calmed myself down and it was really good. And I, during that time, my friend was kind of advocating, advocating for me um, there and trying to get me into a room because I was told to just sort of ...essentially go home and take some Panadol... ...and I didn't want to do that. And I thought, I'm here now. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not getting back in a cab. I'm not, um, you know, I'm here. This is where I want to be. Let's do this. And I went back out and that's this point... ...when the doctor came in to check me. And, oh, <laughs> if I forget this, my goodness. Oh, he come in and he's like got this glove... ...that he put on his hand and I... he. As he snapped it onto his wrist, he looked at me and said, well, ma'am, if you keep this up, you'll be in for a C-section, don't you think? And oh, it's just like, you know when uh, like a baby gets hurt or maybe if you take something off a baby that he really wanted to have and there's that pause before the cry. That's me. I had this moment of just nothingness, like pause. And then I was like, what? like <laughs> lost it and i lost it in a sense of like right i'm angry mum now you know that's not cool and um i started again getting fight and flight and worrying about all this stuff that i shouldn't have been where i should have been going inward because that was probably at that time he was ready to come out i was pretty sure at home he was ready to come out when i before i went to the hospital um and On retrospect, you know, recognising those feelings now, knowing what I know, um, yeah, being in tune with your body, I guess, is such a good tool for, for labour and all those situations that when they do face themselves, um, you'll be a bit more apt at handling them and the support around you too. Um, so that was pretty funny. I can laugh about it now but I was a bit like angry about that for a while during the process of healing. Um, so yeah, so eventually I got into the room. Um, they probably were sick of my yelling and carrying on so I would just get her in and um, it was really good. I My friend got the lights dimmed for me um, and I curled up on the bed because I was tired at that point. Um, so after those you know, three jolly days of (laughs) being fun and jumping around and thinking that this was all great and good and and it did actually wear me out. So I possibly got not much sleep and I I actually don't think I got much sleep. I really didn't. So I was pretty tired and I curled up in fetal position on the bed. I got a gas um, thing shoved into my face and I sucked on that and um, laid in the dark and my friend held my hand and... Um, I offered her some shots every now and then of the gas, <laughs> and reefed it back off of her, <laughs> poor girl. Um, so, you know, she probably endured that for quite a fair while. So I got into the hospital, I think it was nine o'clock and Mally was born at 24 past seven. So, um, yeah, I guess it wasn't I guess it was a long labour because I had that sort of pro-dormal experience. Um, But yeah, I guess it was pretty lengthy in there considering that shaky start. (laughs) So that was okay. Um, And I forgot to mention too that I got a shot of pethidine. Um, And this again is just making sure that you can not so much now, you know, I've sort of learned a lot about birth plans and Um, I know a really interesting lady that does birth mapping, um, Bella Birth, that I find that so much more better than actually writing a plan. Um, So it's it's mapping out a situation and looking at what could happen in these different elements Um, and preparing yourself for birth uh, as it may be. Um, And with that, If I probably took the time again to inform myself and write a bit of a scope, I guess, of what I wanted to do um, and have that to present to people, I definitely would have said, um, do not offer me drugs at all. Because I had no idea that they were even going to offer that. I just thought that You know, that was for extreme situations and I just didn't think that that was on the cards again, being silly Billy me. um, I thought, again, I got this and why would they offer me stuff um, apart from like gas or something? I just had no thought that that would ever happen. So being in the state that I was, um, again, bit of fight and flight response mode and, um, you know, bit of out of my – Nice probably shoebox that I was living in at home where I could have curled up and birthed on a pile of socks. Um, I was in this really crazy environment and I didn't know what was going on. I was panicking and um, so instead of going, hey, you've got this, come on, you can do it. You know, you're nearly there and your baby's coming, your body's doing what it's supposed to, I was got offered, what drugs can I give you in those words? And I said, drugs? What, what do you mean? Like... Um, And she said, well, we can give you some pethidine and that will sort of take the edge off and probably again they were trying to shut me up. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so I went for it. I was like, okay, that sounds good. Do it. And I got it. And so I don't know if it made much of a difference but it just got me a bit off with the fairies and I don't think I really liked it because I felt a bit sick. And um, checking my records after the birth, I noticed that I got two shots and I have no idea. I don't remember that second one at all. And that's probably one thing that I'll do one day is go and um, purchase my hospital records and perhaps see what really happened. (laughs) Um, Yes, so that did happen twice. And so I ended up fetal position, obviously off chops or whatever you call it with the pethidine and got the gas and... You know, really not with it and out of it. But um, probably having said that, it did help with the fight and flight because I had a dark room and my friend was there and I concentrated on her and her words to me and I went to that inward space. And I got left alone there with her for a while and I think we must have made ourselves so in that sort of sense that we didn't want anyone near us. And I didn't get checked again. Um, after that doctor with the blue glove, doctor man, um, <laughs> I didn't get checked again. So no one went near us. Good, good for them, ticking their boxes. And it was great because um, I just come out of it again. It's what the, which the hormones were still doing what they were supposed to do, obviously, because I came out of that little la-la land and I went, I need to push. And my friend Rachel said, are you sure? And I went, yes. And she bolted out the room and went and got the midwives. The midwives came in and again, they were very condescending would be a good word for that because they were like, oh, she's not ready. And they just glided my legs apart and had a look. And um, as they were doing that, he's secondary waters must have broke, um, which I f- thought it was quite funny. So internally I was having a bit of a joke with myself and I think that's what kept me going through it and not taking this whole thing too seriously because that's probably my personality in a bit that I had to make some points where I had to laugh about things. And so internally I was having this little ha ha moment like, you know, haha yeah I do need to push actually. And um the waters broke and she was like, Wow, you are ready and um so believe it or not, at that point she um, uh, said, wow, you're ready and the um, turning around must have happened um, at some point in then because I remember the pain just exiting the back and it. this was the best part. I loved this part. I turned into one of my sort of affirmations that came from my friend Rachel that – ...was warrior woman and I just kept picturing that... ...and I just created this probably because I was on pethidine... ...and the gas was still kicking in. I created this like visual of this like glowing astral warrior woman... ...that just like slammed this sword into the ground... ...and like made this sort of earth break and I guess that was me. And I was like I'm ready and I sat up finally out of the fetal position and... Um, yeah, I got up and then I was ready to push and I started pushing and um, my goodness, after Julie's birth of not pushing and not even like daring to push because she just flew out, he was probably about a good hour of pushing and um, that was a lot of hard work because I was tired and I realised that, you know, I needed to gain every ounce of strength that I did and. Um, yeah, so the pushing experience, um, yeah, went for about an hour. And again, my friend cracked a joke at one of the midwives. They weren't too happy with us for some reason. I don't think they were very nice. And I got some really young ones. And I, I mean, again, you know, it would have been nice to have a familiar face, but I had no familiar face. So I focused all my attention onto my friend. And she cracked a joke about Um, it sort of, it's easy to go in and hard to come out type of thing. And again, my internal little laughter kicked in and during that time, the crowning happening and I remember that, the, the burning sensation, um, that was real, uh, that was there. And, um, he seemed to, uh, it was like, I could feel that sort of surge of the in and the out and in and the out when, you know, the sort of uterus contracts in and out and, um, finally we got his head out and before his head came out I did um poo myself (laughs) I suppose that's the word for it I couldn't think of any sort of scientific terminology for that one but yes a lot of poo come out and I remember that feeling and I remember the midwife going it's okay it's okay and I just really didn't mind I was like what it you know whatever um it it came out and um i think it did cross my mind about the chilies at, the <laughs> at some point so you know when chilies come out they they're a bit burning so i had lots of burning going on there in two different realms head came out and um i remember them saying about the hair and um i just you know Oh, that feeling of once the head popped out was just surreal because I remember that little moment in between of just waiting for that next contraction and um, that finite play of you as one person and you and your whole life just rushes through everything and that next push is your whole life right until this moment and here comes your firstborn child and boy, did it just did that happen? I pushed, and out he came, and it was just that was it. It was like my next chapter. The page unfolded, and here he was, and oh, it was just like um, again, no words. And uh, for you mums out there that have had this experience, um, no matter what way your baby has come out, because um, you know a birth is a birth. However, your baby came out, unless it came out your bum. (laughs) Um, But a birth is a birth and, you know, you get that ability to see that child for the first time and you transform and that's what happened. I transformed and Warrior Woman, uh, thank goodness she was there to sort of guide me because, yeah, here he was and uh, thankfully he they lifted up my shirt and I think I took it off in the end and he went straight onto my skin, straight onto my breast and he was fine and I was just a big sigh of relief and um, he had lots of hair, so much dark hair and he was just beautiful. He was just scrunchy and beautiful and he was ready to come out and um, I just felt so proud of him because, you know, of what... I guess he how he came into this world with he came into the world with love and he was conceived with love and even though I was going it alone as a single parent, there was a lot of love there for him in his support networks from his family from my friends there was just he was coming into this world of pure love, and what more could have mattered at that point nothing nothing, no one just me and him, and there it was, so there. Yeah. He was born at 7.24 and at that point like the sun sort of came over, probably one of the dull city buildings in in Melbourne and it shone into the room and um, after probably a few hours I think or probably an hour that we're in that room, um, a reflection sort of… ...came in the room and must have hit a bit of a glass... ...and it made a rainbow effect on one of the back walls... ...and my friend grabbed Mally... ...and she held him up into the rainbow... ...and we had this beautiful moment together... ...and um, yeah, there he was. So, and that was the birthing... ...and I went and showered and I felt great. I just felt really good. Um, And I felt... I suppose in a sense on that birth high and that those hormones were kicking in. Um, And then I got wheeled up to the maternity ward um, and I finally tucked him into my chest and I laid back and I had that moment with him. And then again, um, (laughs) those – your support network and the people that you're going to listen to and um, just – again I was so naive again I suppose and just thought I'd you know my body would let me know how to breastfeed and I'd got this and I didn't really do any sort of pre-planning or informing myself about the process I just thought you get your boob out and that's it the baby drinks the milk um no problem uh so you know during that moment too I suppose again I was this type of person that was quite creative and educated and making informed decisions about my life and seeing what needs to be done and doing it Um, but being involved in this system that had to follow regulations and tick certain boxes that it just didn't gel with me and um, I realized that there because I had him tucked into me I was so tired and I was ready to sleep And I shut my eyes in that ward and I was, you know, I was alone at that point. So um, my parents were coming up probably four hours away to come and see me and bring us home. And so I was alone and I was like, great, sleep, sleep will happen now. Shut my eyes. Someone came in and she just yelled at me again. And she said, what are you doing? doing you could fall off that bed and kill your baby and i opened my tired eyes and again i felt that same feeling of just being violated and attacked and i just didn't understand i said what, what 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 do you mean and she said you've got him tucked into your body he should be in that cot over there against the wall and i said but he's fine he's asleep i need to sleep no 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 put him in the cot so I was like being the good girl, I listened and I put him in the cot. And he started to cry and she left and that was it. And he cried and I didn't know what to do because he was crying. So I put him on the boob and he'd just fuss on it because he just wanted to go to sleep (laughs) and I wanted to go to sleep. So all the nice little birth hormones started to really plummet and again it set in like big time reality of someone... ...that didn't feel supported set in. And this is where it became hard. And he cried and, you know, this went on for hours and hours. And it was probably so well into late afternoon... ...that I had another midwife came and was telling me how to latch on. And she's like, look, you just feed when you can. And, you know, she was actually really nice. Um, Surprise, surprise. And that was probably eat and she left and then another midwife came in and said nope every four hours you'll feed that's how you do it and I said oh, I don't understand I, I was getting all this conflicting advice of what to do and to me innately I just thought that's it you you breastfeed when your baby wants but obviously not so again mother's intuition shut off Um, not having anyone around there that could have vouched for me or have had experience I guess of Listening to intuition, that was difficult. So I went with whatever they said. I just let go. And in the end, it came into evening and I started hallucinating. My goodness, I fully was tired and I fully hallucinated. And he was crying and I just felt horrible and I felt insufficient and I wasn't doing the right job. And I felt so sad because, again, on retrospect, if I... (laughs) ...knew what I knew now and if I had so much more strength to say no... ...like this is how it is, I want my baby close to me, we're going to sleep... ...thank you very much, Um, that whole episode would have turned out different... ...because it did affect my bonding and it did affect things later on down the track... ...which it took me a long time to heal and even up into Julie's birth... ...you know nearly six years later I had to go through it all again... ...and heal a lot of aspects of that so... Um yeah so she ended up wheeling him away and I don't know where she took him to some nursery I suppose and I s- had to sleep and I just shut down and I slept for oh, probably 6 hours or something I can't even remember and I woke up and instantly I was like where's my baby and I just scrambled out of that bed into the hall and you know I was frantic like <laughs> person this you know, pajamas running around looking for a baby um and she found him for me, lady wheeled him out, and he was just sitting there all like wrapped up like a cocoon, and I grabbed him, and um yeah, that was that, and we tried the feeding again and um eventually, I got out of there, so i as soon as my mum and dad came, I was out of there, and I couldn't wait to get home. Um, and I never forget this feeling and, um, this, that feeling has again, driven me, driven me to do what I want to do, um, to empower women and to help us connect and tell our stories without, I guess, that fear on both ways, whether it be a good story or a story that just didn't work out quite as you expected, um we need to acknowledge that because that feeling that I had leaving the hospital was just horrible. I felt completely violated as a person on my myself as a woman and as a human being and and the same feeling went into my child that I just felt for him so much. And when I got home, things got better because I surrounded myself again with my beautiful, positive, empowering friends and... Um, we continued our journey and postpartum was difficult. I had a lot of issues with breastfeeding. My milk flow is just like, you you know, could shoot out a metre probably if it could. So he used to choke um, and it took me a while to figure that out. uh, uh, Again, I found a really great support network, the Australian Breastfeeding Association, and I made so many phone calls to those guys Um, but yeah, that was it. They helped me a lot. And again, I went out as being a single mama. I threw myself into parent groups, communities as much as I could. And I ended up living with my parents for six months, which six months, which I am wholly grateful for that. They sort of helped me out through that first six months. And from then on then I, um, became a bit of a powerhouse single mum. So (laughs) right now at, my point as a doula um, I'm very much going to focus on single parent birthings um, and offer as much support as I can as a doula for single mums because I know that feeling of not sort of knowing where to go and um, now having done it with a beautiful partner that I have for Julia's birth I know how much um, you need to empower the mums I guess so it was an interesting journey and again it was a birth that I had to do a lot of healing from and I think I spent a many time going well other people have had worse experience and I did get told that classic line well there's nothing wrong with your baby so you know he's born healthy so you've got nothing to worry about so that's what I had to deal with and I thought, well, okay, I guess so. So for my um, healing, I used to think, well, people have had a worse experience, which I've been told, so I couldn't validate what happened or acknowledge it. Um, So I got sort of trapped into that, I guess, and I just minimised my feelings and I didn't deal with them for a long time and I didn't talk about them and – Um, ...eventually I did and eventually I got over that anger too. I was very angry at that hospital and those staff... ...and um, I had to get over that anger too... ...and realise that the anger wasn't going to um, help in any way. Um, And obviously I've made it very productive doing what I'm doing now. So yeah, Um, you know... ...it's real no matter which way or that you look at it... ...and I think one of the things that drives me the most is... ...it usually takes the second time around for, um, you know... ...women partners to realise um, what happened and to make it better. And we can always make it better. And that was one of the things that I had to come to realise too. So there's Mally's birth... Um, I love him. He's such a gorgeous, sensitive little child now and he he um, had so much love as a single mama around him and I went and created this beautiful world for him and I hope that um, by listening to this that you guys could get a sense into the story, I suppose, as such and to the journey and... If you listen to episode one, you'll hear Julia's birth, which um, was just absolutely empowering and insightful. And now that I can look at this birth and as I tell her, it, it's just interesting that, you know, I'll talk about the, the feelings behind it and um, I guess observe it now without, you know, feeling any trauma or pain or anything like that. So there you go. I hope you enjoyed. Thank you. I forgot, I'll just throw out a few little resources there. Obviously, I didn't do too much in reading of the books or entering into the birth world. Um, But pregnancy, I walked and rode my bike absolutely everywhere and I really feel that had a big help. Um, I did a lot of resting, a lot of walking, and I was known to be on my bike at nine months pregnant with shopping bags hanging off them. So... I didn't stop at that point so keep moving keep active keep curious about life keep interested and just be that strong warrior woman did you connect with this episode then head over to our website circleofbirth.com there you'll find show notes pictures resources and potentially connect with today's storyteller don't forget to sign up to be updated with new empowering episodes and content Help the show grow by contributing a tip in the jar to make sure we can continue to better the podcast and connect more and more to the wisdom and birth and each other. Hey, and don't forget the iTunes rating. This has been another episode of the Birth Share Project. We breathe, we birth, we empower.